Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. I'm having so much more fun now. I have let them show me how to live their way. This is Mark Arnold. Welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 218. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute material to every issue, so give it a try. Hey kids, have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners, get a free sample copy in the mail, made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to theslowpoisoner at gmail.com. That's theslowpoisoner at gmail.com while supplies last. You remember them from your childhood. Half for the Friendly Ghost, Richie Ridge, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack, and Little Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. The Best of Harvey Dale Fun Times and the Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copies today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order and you'll receive a free bonus gift. The revised second edition of my Monkey's Book with Michael A. Ventrella called Long Title, stars of Walt Disney Productions, and Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game, are my latest books out now. Unconditionally Mad and Not Just Happy Together, the Turtles book, are in production. I'm also working on my TV Cartoons at Time Forgot book, plus articles on cancelled Harvey titles, and making contributions to Freaky Magazine. On today's show, we have a returning guest who will talk about his latest book, Top Ten Book of Beatles Lists. Here he is, Charles F. Rosenay. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with yet another Fun Ideas podcast, and today we have a returning guest who's actually brought me many guests of musical taste and talent over the years, and his name is Charles S. Rosenay. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Okay. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Great to be back. And um, just, you know, it's just such a pleasure, Mark. I, I know it's going to be a fun interview. I know you're going to ask me probing questions, and I just can't wait to get into it. I can sense your sarcasm a mile away. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, no, uh, I, don't, I shouldn't make myself laugh. Anyway, because I, I've this is probably the best I've been in over a week because of allergies. So oh, if you hear me kind of coughing and snarfing and stuff, which is why I do a lot of shows all at once. And then I take a break because things like this happen anyway. All right. Um, so you are back. Uh, you've written yet another book. Is this your third or fourth? It is. Third. It's my third book. 
Um, it's a, like sort of, a, I don't want to say sequel, but it was inspired by my first book, which was the book of top 10 horror lists. And it's something I'm near and dear to my heart. It's the book of top 10 Beatles lists. The second one was sort of off the track. It was, uh, as you know, a ghost stories book, true ghost stories of Connecticut, um, which didn't fit this top 10, you know, celebrity book mode. But I'm back on track here. Top 10 horror sites in Connecticut. I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> my bathroom, my bedroom. My... No, no, no. So, I mean, you know, you published Good, uh, Good Day Sunshine, a yes. very popular Beatles fanzine back in the 80s and yes. uh, it was very well received. I have most if not all the issues. I even have your bootleg album you put out and some of those cassette tapes you put out all sorts of weird crap you put out way back when. I say stop sending me this stuff. No. Um, what made you arrive other than the inspiration of the first book yeah. to do this as your first Beatles book? Well it's interesting because this probably should have been my first book, Mark. You know, I'm a Beatles guy. Everyone knows me as a Beatles guy. Everyone said, when are you going to do a Beatles book? But I never thought I would ever because I thought every book on the Beatles has already been written. What is there? What topic? What could I possibly come up with that, you know, isn't already in print? It's back maybe 30 years ago when I, when, when I should have done my first Beatle book, there was a handful, you know, there was um, the, the, the Beatles uh, Forever, there was Nick Schaffner, there was a handful of really great books. And everyone had those 10 dozen whatever great books. And then as the years have gone on, more now than ever, you know, people like Michael Ventrella, it seems like every, anyone could put out a Beatles book, right? Even me. <laughs> Even you. And they they come out and I have to get them because I'm a diehard fan. Um, And I want to read, you know, even if it's got one morsel that I didn't know or for whatever reason. But in this case, it wasn't a book um, for Beatle historians. It wasn't about, you know, uh, oh, did John actually go away with Brian on a holiday? It wasn't that. It was celebrities, rock stars actors giving me their top 10 favorite Beatles lists. And it was so successful and so much fun and so well received in the horror field that I said, how can I not do it in the Beatles version of it? And uh, it's interesting because, you know, should this have been the first one? Maybe, I don't know, but (laughs) what it should have, what it should have been Mark is it should have come out a long time ago. I wish that I put this out in the days when I was cl- close with Cynthia Lennon, oh, yeah. with people like Alan Williams, who was the Beatles' first, you know, manager, Bob Wooler from the Cavern DJ, uh, Sam Leach, all these people who were just so near and dear to me, and um, you know, they were they were friends. They were a phone call or or you know, in those days, not email, but certainly a letter away. And they would have jumped at the opportunity, you know, to do a top 10 list for a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sid Bernstein, oh my God, Clay Cole, you know, people who are no longer with us. And so that part of it, you know, it's that's that's the bittersweet part is, is yeah, I'm proud of the 64 celebrities and actors and athletes and all that that are in this book. But I think of what could have been had I, you know, had the urge. But, you know, when I say... Uh, I, you know, I thought all the topics were covered. That wasn't the only reason. I'm the first to admit why I didn't put out a Beatles book prior. And that's because of the aforementioned Beatles magazine that you discussed, Good Day Sunshine. I was putting out six issues a year for close to 20 years. And if you have ever put out a publication, and I know you have, you know that there's nothing greater than getting that finished piece and smelling it and touching it and looking at it. But the work that goes into it yeah. is it's overwhelming. And for someone who's never put out, you know, an 80 page magazine every other month, it's, it's, t- it's the lot, it's your life. You know, you do other things in between, but that that's the all consuming. And it's one of the few things in my life I did that never made money. I mean, thank goodness, you know, <laughs> I do has made money. 
Um, but everything, well, actually, come to think of it, the books haven't either. <laughs> when it comes to putting out <laughs> printed word, that's, I do it for the love of it. Um, but Good Day Sunshine, for, for all that time, I thought I was, I felt like I was putting out a book uh, six times a year. Oh, yeah. You know, well, in 80 other- pages, yeah, it was like a, a slim volume, but still. Yeah. It was, so it was bigger thought- than what I put out. I put out 24, 28 pages or something like that. You're doing 80, 100 pages. I'm like, oh, my God. And six and times a year, not four times editing, a year. So. Doing the editing, doing the graphics, doing the layout, yeah. um, you know, typing, retyping everyone's things. We didn't have computers in those days. So it was all it was barely a word process. It was an old typewriter. Um, but the, 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 the love of it and the fan uh, friendships that were made through it, and it was also networking. The way I justified that much work and that much effort was I'm doing conventions. I'm doing tours. This is a great way to get the word out. And it was. People who got the magazine loved the magazine. They got to know me and my personality through the energy of the magazine. And they wanted to come with me on tours. And they wanted to come to conventions. So that was that was the bigger picture. You know, someone says, well, you're nuts. How can you do something for nearly 20 years? and it not make money and it might take up so much of your time. And it's because it led to, uh, to other things and it was a, a network and a bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to say probably Harveyville fun times did make money probably in the first five to eight years, but then this silly thing called the internet took over and distribution, yeah. distribution went away. And, and so I did it for another 12 years or so just on my own dime. And then it got to be a point, And I've said this before on the show, it's like, how much do I want to spend this month on publishing a magazine? <laughs> you yeah. know, and so it got to the point where I, I I published instead of four times a year, three times a year, then two times a year, then once a year because I didn't want to fork over all that dough that I yeah. was not going to see again for anything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, I just threw in the towel. I said, "I've done it for 21 years. That's yeah. enough." Yeah. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the book thing actually kind of relieves a little of the pressure, which is why I've written so many books. I mean, uh, you know, the way I do them, and you kind of do it the same way, you don't generally design your own books. You have other people do it. But even if you did want to design your books, you can do it. But you don't have to take care of all the nitty-gritty of the publishing necessarily, you know, where you're sending it to the printers and all the other stuff and mailing out all the copies and everything that you used to have to do with stuff right. like that. So that's the the funner part i guess if there is something about a non-profitable profitable venture such as writing books i'll I'll share something with you i was um let's see a broadway show and i'm in line and someone comes up to me and they go hey we get your magazine and i go oh cool uh you mean good day session yeah yeah and um i go where you guys located and they say oh we're from connecticut i go oh what's your name they tell me their name and I go, oh, 44 Langham Road, Cheshire, Connecticut, 0641. What? How did you know that? I go, oh, I'm really good with numbers. I didn't want to tell them that I personally hand addressed 20,000, 2,000, whatever it was in those days <laughs> because there wasn't a computer that turned out labels just yet. And I was writing their name, you know, for the, how many years over and over every other month that if if I, if by that point, I knew everyone's name and address, if they were a subscriber and, and, and I'd been with, they'd been with me for a while, I kind of knew them years later, you know, someone comes up to me at a convention or comes on the tour or comes to my book signing, whatever. And they go, you know, I'm Barbara so-and-so and I'm from Shelton. And I used to get, I, 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 I good day, sunshine. Of course, Barbara and I tell her last name and I still <laughs> remember that. And they're just, you know, shocked that I remember it. But that's that's the reason. In those days, you were hand addressing every single issue of uh, the magazine's uh, envelope that it came in. I know we're supposed to be talking about your book, but I do have to ask you this: um, how how big did Good Day Sunshine get? Did, did you have international subscribers and everything? Oh yeah, we passed five thousand subscribers at its peak, and I would have to print like ten thousand copies because we were. Um, in all the tower record stores. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And then I would send uh, to independent record stores who carried it all the time, and um, we would also send it overseas to places like Liverpool and you know any any place that I that I thought was a cool record store. I wanted it in there, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, yeah. You know there were there might have been magazines that were 
more, you know, informative, more professional, yeah. that whatever you want to, where you want to use. I always say, you know, there was a magazine called Beetle Fan, uh, which is still around and it's still great. And Bill King's a friend of mine. And um, I was I jokingly said, well, they're the New York Times of Beetle, Beetle fandom and I'm the New York Post. And if you know what the two papers are, yeah, I'm the fun one. <laughs> I'm, the one I'm the one that's going to have gossip. I you going to say the village voice, but hey, same, oh, same interesting. analogy. <laughs> interesting. Now, but but, but uh, anyway. the analogy is such that yeah. I always paid respect to what I knew was a superior publication. If you were a Thor, you know, a really needed all the Beatle facts. But if you wanted to have fun with a magazine yeah. and read full articles. So I kind of think that we had the most readership for a, a little while. Um, only because of my kind of international status and the fact that I was going to England every single year, and the, the, the you know the readership was a little wider. Um, but I'm not I'm not comparing in any which way. Um, but that was at its peak, you know, five thousand plus subscribers and a ten thousand uh, print run was very proud of that. You happen to remember who might have been your biggest subscriber, paid or otherwise? Yeah, there was this guy who was six foot eight. <laughs> And he weighed about 400 pounds. He was from Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, he was without a doubt. I met him years later. He was without a doubt my biggest subscriber. Well, that wraps it up for today. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, did they, I mean, you had people like Eddie Deason or something like that. Didn't you have people like that subscribing to you? Right. So, you know, so, so I mean, so, people that you yeah, may have become friends with that so I, and I hear what this you're is saying. leading back to your book a little bit. <laughs> good thinking. Yeah. Good thinking. Um, so I know every month, every issue, every other month we sent to Rick Springfield. I know that for sure. Cool. Um, but what we did, which you'll find interesting, Mark, is we sent copies to John, Paul, George, and Ringo every other month. And the question was, well, are they getting them? Do they read them? Yeah. Well, well, Linda McCartney, who was the sweetest human that ever lived, and I loved her, and, and one of the hardest losses ever. Um, she would always say, oh, Charles, yes, of course, you're Connecticut. I'm Scarsdale. We were almost neighbors. She would always say that. <laughs> that was always so sweet of her to say. That's and cool. she goes, yes, of course we get your magazine and we love it. Now, did they love it? Did they read it? Did they just look at the picture? I don't know. But she always said that. So that made me feel good. Um, years later, Ringo had put a large portion of his collection because he just was downsizing and he wanted to raise money and he put a large portion of his collection in an auction and i was blown away when one of the lots was a run of good day sunshine wow. <laughs> because it meant it meant that he did get it yeah and for him to have taken it out and put it in an auction yeah certainly meant well, that it certainly you know, didn't just go in the trash at least he Kept right. it long enough to reset. Right, 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 right. And um, I don't know what it auctioned off for, but I know it was a heck of a lot more than I was selling the issues for. Because, <laughs> you know, you'd want to pay more for the, the ones that were in the collection of Ringo Starr. That was you you got to think that they must have read it. I mean, you, you've seen the Beatles get back, the three-part series with Peter Jackson, yes. right? Yes. And there's more than one scene where Paul or one of them's reading the Beatles monthly book, you know, and yeah. they're, they're, they're kind of making fun of it going, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's like Paul went to, uh, uh, get a sandwich today. Ho, ho, ho. Or, you know, I'm making it up, but you know, it's like, they're just making yeah. fun of the little beetle facts. And it's like, and then they're joking about letters from beetle people. Ringo says, you know, <laughs> you know their little and responses that they used yeah. to do. <laughs> I think, I think no matter how big a star you are, Mark, yeah. um, if you're getting something that's written about you yeah. or that, you know, your ego, you got ego. You want to yeah. see, you want to read what the fans, if it's the letters to the editor, what they're complimenting or criticizing. Um, you know, it's always, it's always going to have news on their new releases on all their new projects. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would think that they They'd probably say, let's see if they're covering old wave. They're yeah. not. What? <laughs> Flop. What? No. <laughs> For any Beatle fan out there who likes Ringo, you'll know what I meant. Anyway, yeah. uh, but going back to Linda McCartney, she had a vested interest looking because she was making the club sandwich. I mean, she was an active participant from what I have was told yeah. about club yeah, they sandwich. Both, they both yeah. had 
final say, and she had a lot of input on Club Sandwich. Yeah, and which is why Paul ended it when she, with her passing because he couldn't carry yeah. on on that by yeah, himself. Yeah, so. Absolutely. And for listeners who don't know, it was the Wings or Paul's, you know, fan club that they put out out of London. Fun <laughs> the Fun Club, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was very picky when I used to get magazines. You know, I would try different Beatles ones over the years. Um, Beatle fan, of course, was a constant, like you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I did get the Beatles monthly book when they were doing the newer issues for a while, but it got really expensive, so I had to stop. Sure. Uh, and I did get Club, Club Sandwich pretty much till the end. Yeah. Uh, but again, that was getting expensive too because it's also from Europe and stuff. You know, but I got yours all along, even after you stopped <laughs> doing right, them. Right, the last right. few you stopped, you didn't do, I think. Or, well, or the last like... few interviews were taken over by a friend of mine named Matt Hurwitz, and it's kind of a sad story because um, he wrote the most amazing articles prior to the book, you know, to to Good Day Sunshine. Um, him taking it over. My parents were getting really on in age and I had to devote a lot more time to their care and their health. And I knew that I couldn't continue Good Day Sunshine at the level it was because in those last issues I put out, they're over a hundred pages and they were scholarly and they were as great And his articles and a few other um, editors who were contributing on a regular basis were, were as good as what was out there. Uh, I don't remember if the internet was coming. Yeah, I think the internet had just it was. started. It was. Right. So, so you know, that was also a thought that anything that, you know, was in a magazine might also, you know, be accessible on the internet, which isn't entirely true because obviously an article that's just written for a magazine is exclusive to that magazine. So it's not entirely true. But I, I kind of saw the, you know, the end of the road for the, the end of the long and winding road for Good Day Sunshine. And Matt said he wanted to take it over. And I just, you know, people said that was the worst sale you ever made. I didn't sell it. I, didn't sell it. Yeah. I gave, we got together. He lived on the West Coast. I lived on the East Coast. We were friends. Um, we would always see each other every year at the Beatle Fair in San Diego. Um, he was cons consistently putting in great, you know, articles. And I thought he is the definite heir to this magazine and he will continue its legacy. Yeah. We're still friends, yeah. but it's obviously a sore point to anyone who continued a subscription with him because he couldn't. He, first of all, he he has an allergy to it's not a joke to computer screens. Oh, and he has issues with that. And I'm talking out of out of school here, and it's probably stuff that you know is private. And I'm sorry, yeah, you don't I'm have to go problem. into that level, but um, we, won't, we won't say how you know. I, how I, I will say this: at least you got a few more issues out from him. I, when when my Harveyville was at the end, I offered it to another person, which I won't name his name. He's still a friend of mine, and uh, I'm still waiting for that next issue, number seventy-six. You know, but I know funny. how it is. I mean, yeah, even, you know, we had Michael Ventrello on here, which is a mutual friend, you know, talking yeah. about his Beatles book recently. And yeah. he was a, a editor and publisher of Animato, an animation magazine for a time. Uh -huh. And uh, this other uh, gentleman that I had on a different podcast was also the editor and publisher for a time. You know, it's like, so everybody kind of shifted it around. But again, it was all a situation where, um, you know, once the internet took over, you know, I used to subscribe at my peak probably about 50 different magazines, plus getting yep. comic books at stores and stuff like that. I was yep. just a fiend. And everything, every fanzine I ever got just, just started dropping like flies. I mean, and, and now I get Beatle fan because they still publish and it's still great. Yeah. And that's the only Beatle-related thing I get because, you know, I don't want to try anymore because they'll go away in about a year when they find out it's too hard to do. There's another one that's been around for a very long time called Octopus's Garden. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the editor, Tom, is a, is a sweet guy. He's in, also a New Englander. Mm -hmm. And it, it started, I think it started more being New England-centric, but now it's, and it's got a lot of the character of Good Day Sunshine. And some of the people who wrote for me, Bill Last and Mike uh, Strito, write for that one too. Um, the crossovers is that Janet Davis, who's an amazing editor and proofwriter, um, edited both, uh, well, actually all three of my books, and is the editor of Octopus's Garden. So that's worth that's worth looking out. It, you know, that's one of the okay. ones I recommend. But you're right. All at at, at its peak, I probably was getting about seventy fanzines yeah 
40 or 50 of them were Beatles. And it was, it got, it got awkward for a while because when I started, I traded, Hey, mm. you send me yours. I'll send you mine. You know, you show me yours. I'll show you mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was great with McCartney observer and with a little help from my friends and beetle fan and strawberry field and all the major ones. But then I was getting ones that were, you know, these Xeroxed, Dark Horse Quarterly, which <laughs> was on mom's mimeograph machine. You know I, mean? I never and, got that one, but I know, no, I know no, the no. bad, I know the bad ones. I mean, you know, it's what I mean. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, good ones that I got. I remember one that just popped in my head when you said that. It's like, good one was the Harrison Alliance. That was Harrison Alliance was great, yeah. and that was a Connecticut one. It uh, was Jenny, wow, <laughs> Jenny and Patty, mm -hmm. and they're still around. I see them at concerts all the time. Um, and I missed that one. That was a great one. Yeah. But yeah, but so many of them, you know, just people, you know, graduated from high school and there's <laughs> a real life and we love magazines and we love fanzines, but we can't put one out ourselves. But they gave it the old college try or the high school now, try. Now, now you tilted the camera down so you can show us your Dr. Pepper and your cavern shirt. I mean, it's like, you're, 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 okay, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you can't see your eyes anymore. Okay. Uh oh, now it's out of focus. Get in focus. Uh, wave your hand. There we go. Hey, it goes out of focus as soon as you tilt down. That's crazy. Established 1957, the Cavern Club. Cool. All right, we saw it really quick. <laughs> um, so, um, getting back to the book of top 10 Beatles lists, um, you talked about the people that aren't in the book, but who are some of the people that you were lucky to get in the book and that you know are, are people that you know say let's uh, let's make it in a more positive note if you waited 10 20 more years you wouldn't have gotten so i mean who, who have you right. gotten that are big in that book so what might be big for someone else might not be might be a so what for another person <laughs> and i say that because when I tell people, oh, I have Dave Winfield, you know, baseball Hall of Fame, Major League. Yeah. What? How did you get him? He's a Beatle fan. Yeah. And then you talk to the Beatle fans. Oh, big deal. You know, so that that's it's interesting that 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 type of question um, plays in so many different ways. I'll preface I'll preface by saying, I wanted to get it about a third of Beatle connected individuals a third of beetle family people beetle people who were connected to the beatles history and then a third of rock and rollers you know yeah. of people who are in in the music industry who we all know and love and uh the other third is not music not beatles everyday celebrities if there's such a thing as an everyday <laughs> celebrity like a dave winfield yeah but also, you know, Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong, Butch Patrick from the Munsters, Dinah Manoff, the actress from uh, Grease and Soap, uh, Mackenzie Phillips, who I guess could fall into the rock and roll category because she was shortly one of the mamas and papas. Yeah. Um, but but that was the goal to, to get a third of it of celebrities that if you weren't that diehard of a Beatle fan, you would still be interested in the book for its celebrity pop culture value. Um, a third of the rock and rollers because that gives a book a lot of credibility when you have mm -hmm. you know rock and roll hall of famers and members of the, the vanilla fudge and the cars and this one it gives and then of course for us diehards we want to see what pete best puts in as his favorite you know beatles list or lawrence juber from wings <laughs> now me from my end yeah i was most proud of the the dig deepers, the ones that I really had to work hard, not just to get their list, but to find. And the one that comes to mind um, is a gentleman who was on the same record label that the Beatles were, that wasn't Capitol. Now, when, you know, when they were releasing every hit on Capitol, these other little companies were sneaking out there, you know, She Loves You on Swan and um, and Cry for a Shadow on Atco, you know, every possible way to release a Beatles record. And the, the, probably the second company that comes to mind uh, was VJ yeah, because yeah. they were introducing the Beatles 
and they release those tracks in every possible way. Yes. <laughs> with the fourth season, with well, they released one album called The Beatles and Fra- Frank Ifield. Right. <laughs> Frank Ifield was a fellow VJ recording artist who had a hit with I'll Remember You. The Beatles actually loved him very much and happened to be on the same label. And I tracked down Frank Highfield yeah. through through an agent, through a friend, and through a manager who all refused and said he's too busy. He does gigs. He does coffee houses. Uh, and I'm thinking, really? He's too busy? Come on. I mean, you know, uh, Tommy James is, is a rock and roll superstar and is playing concert. He wasn't too busy, but Frank Ifield, well, I found Frank Ifield's direct contact. Yeah. And he jumped at the opportunity to do it. Wow. <laughs> and it's not just his list. Mark, this is what I think is a big selling point of the book. It's not just his list. It's the reasons why. So if he's telling a story of a certain song and he talks about John Lennon being at the Palladium mm-hmm. without a ticket, trying to get into a Frank Ifield show. I mean, that's something we don't haven't read in Ray Coleman's books. That's something we haven't heard. Um, when Larry Kane tells his top 10, Larry Kane uh, was one of the two uh, journalists who accompanied right. the Beatles on their early tours uh, since uh, a, a very well-respected newsman and an anchor man, Philadelphia mostly. And Larry's list is his top 10 uh, concert shows that he saw of the Beatles and why, which is that itself is worth, you know, getting the book for. Um, and it's funny because he's in the book as is, there's a lot of synchronicity here. He's in the book. And so is Ivor Davis. Mm. And we've gotten to yeah. know through yeah. Plastic DP and he's a great guest on a lot of shows. Ivor and him were really the only journalists who were on all the, at all the shows. Mm-hmm. Larry being the U.S. guy, Ivor being the British guy. Ivor is the only other guy who was when the Beatles met Elvis. It was John Paul, George Ringo, Mal Evans, and Ivor. Mm. Uh, And he gave me a list too. So once I got those like symmetric things, I got really excited because we got the two people on that. We got a few of the quarrymen. We got four people connected to Badfinger. Wow. And when I think of getting like the 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 harder ones, and I mentioned Frank Ifield, and his list is great, and only a true Beatle fan, you know, will really know the connection through VJ. Only a true Beatle fan may know that before there was a Paul McCartney playing bass in the Beatles, there was a left-handed bassist for one week who did about four shows. Oh yeah, I've heard that. And his name was Chaz Newby. Yeah. yeah but- and we just lost Chaz. Yeah, we just lost him, yeah. <laughs> he just passed away. And Chaz, uh, well, I guess Stuart Sutcliffe was left behind in Hamburg. They right. had some gigs. Paul hadn't moved over. So they thought, well, let's just get a replacement. And Chaz Newby came in and played bass with them. Stayed friends with the Quarrymen. Stayed friends with Pete Best and the family for years. And we met last August. As you know, I do Beatle tours to Liverpool every summer, www.liverpooltours.com. And I met Chaz at the unveiling of the Brian Epstein statue. Hmm. Apparently, Pete Best, I I, I guess we'd met before, but I didn't know. I didn't know we met before. And he's played pretty regularly with the Quarrymen up until he passed away. So we got his list. We got Len Gary's list, who's a quarryman. And we got Rod Davis, Rod Davis, who's also one of the quarrymen. So I got three of them, which was really special. But as far as the digging deep, uh, I got four individuals associated with Badfinger or the Ivies. We got Joey Molland, of course, who is Badfinger. He carries on the tradition. Right. And if you see Badfinger now, it's Joey. Yeah. Prior to Joey, there was a bass player. Was it no, no, a guitarist in the Ivies mm-hmm. who unceremoniously was let go in place of Joey Mullen, and his name was Ron Griffith. And Ron is has got a list in the book. Well, the other two uh bad finger connections, aside from Ron and from uh Joey Mullen, is um 
this guy, uh, Jeffrey Allen Ross, hmm. who is Peter Asher's music director and touring pianist and is a great musician in his own right. But Jeff Allen Ross is uh, played in Badfinger when they were touring. He was oh. a touring yeah. of the band. And one other guy, because for a short while, Joey Mullen wasn't on one or two of the albums, a guy by the name of Bob Jackson. Oh, was. yeah, yeah. Bob lives in the UK, occasionally tours as Badfinger UK, <laughs> which we I'm sure pisses off Joey, um, and is a really great guy. He gave us a list, too. So that's you talk about digging deep into Beatles lore. Um, just today I did a library appearance before our thing and someone bought the book and afterwards they ran up and they, I can't believe you've got this person in this book. I'm such a fan. Go, uh -huh. who? I'm thinking, who is it? Is it, is it Carmen Apps? Is it someone, you know, famous? He goes, you have Terry Draper in here. And I'm like, wow. Do you know Terry Draper? Yes. I'm the biggest Klaatu fan on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll say, you that know. name sounded familiar, right? I couldn't put it until you said that. Right. Like, oh, well, yeah. You okay. know, but listeners wouldn't know that Klaatu was the band that people thought, ooh, this was the big mystery. Let's reveal that it's really the Beatles recording under another name. All these radio stations that did the um, Is Paul Dead clues and all that, a few years later, needed something else to latch on. And there was this Canadian band that, you know, maybe sounded a little, I don't know, I don't know, Badfinger, ELO, they all sound more like the Beatles. But anyway, yeah. that Plateau was the brainstorm of this guy, Terry Draper, and it was a Canadian group, and uh, he's still around, he's still recording, but I was able to get him to give me a list too. And the guy at the library today was blown away that, talk about digging deep, right, that he, <laughs> was, in the, that he was in the book uh, alongside of all these uh, more famous people. I guess I assume, you know, because they're in the book, that all these people are Beatles fans. It is kind of interesting. Everybody always says, oh, I'm a Beatles fan. And then you really kind of nail them down on it. And they don't really know much at all. So, you know. Yeah, yeah I was um, I was pleasantly surprised. At, you wouldn't think that Darren McDaniel from Run DMC is a, as big a Beatles and Ringo fan as he is. And I love getting those out of the, you know, out of the box. Run DMC, Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong, the ones that, what? I mean, you wouldn't think that those people are Beatle fans and would be astute enough to come yeah. up with a list with reasons why. Well, even uh, Chong, Chong's affiliated with Beatles and that uh, Basketball Jones, you know, it was yeah. produced by George, wasn't it? Or George played on it. What was it? Or played both. lead guitar on it. Yeah. They were on the same label. There you go. And they were in the same studio. And George came over with Tom Scott with the whole gang and yeah. uh, and added to that one. Yes. And then I found this out more recently. I didn't know this. It was uh, uh, Bob O'Brien who posted. He's a singles collector and he's the 40, 45s collector. And he posts on Facebook little rare factoids. He posted that uh, Tommy Chong was in this uh, group on Motown. And uh, he actually wrote uh, it wasn't a big hit, but, you know, a semi hit song. For Motown, this is years before Cheech and Chong, sometime in the 60s, and you can't even tell it's him because it's it's like the Temptations. It's like five or six guys with little suits. Yeah. And they have guitars and sax and whatever, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so I didn't know Chong was that affiliated with music. I always thought it was Cheech that was the music guy and always pushing, you know, let's do Earache My Eye, let's do Born in East L.A., and Chong was like, yeah, whatever. You know, it turns out Chong was the music guy, you know, yeah. so. You know. And he prides himself on that. Yeah. He's one of the few interviews, you know, that um, I couldn't get him to write it down. You know, some most people emailed me their lists. Yeah. They sent it on a sheet by, by me. Him I had to interview, as we're doing now. We did a yeah. Zoom, and he was great. And he, and he went on tangents. Uh, and you knew that he had such affection for Harrison. I mean, he Lennon and Harrison were his two, uh, two biggies. Well, interestingly enough, uh, brute force, um, <laughs> king of fun, Greenland, yeah, uh, was an Apple recording artist. And uh, what made me think of it is George and John both fell in love with his song, King of Fa, because you know that's their type of humor. 
Yeah. And uh, he's in the book too. And he's, he's a, he's a great guy. I'm just so proud of the people who gave me their lists because it spans from, you know, uh, the ones you would most suspect another one you would least suspect, you know, sister sledge, we are family. Oh yeah. I have, I have a list from Kim Sledge. <laughs> Excuse me. I know he's you're getting choked up. All I know. Right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> we are families. Come on, sing it with me. No. Anyway. I got all my <laughs> anyway, um, total aside, but it's beautiful related. I saw Ringo last uh, Friday night. Wow. Yeah, wasn't he great? He was great, and okay, I'll, I'll I'll throw a, a, a trivia thing at you. Okay. One person from his current band is in my book. Can you guess which member? Hmm. Hamish Stewart. Absolutely wrong. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like he would be the most likely to do it, but uh, Colin Hay. Then that's my second guess, and then I won't that's guess. Wrong. That's two wrongs. You okay. Gotta... All right. Oh, Who is it? It's Greg Bissonette. Oh, the drummer. Oh, okay. I wasn't even thinking about that. Fellow drummer. Yeah. Ring... Greg is just such. A... He worships Ringo, and it's yeah. it's it's uh, so legitimate. I mean, he loves him so much. His list. He gave me a great list. That was neat. Is getting Greg Bissonette from Ringo's band. Lawrence Juber from Paul's band. That was that was a nice touch getting um those people who were connected with the yeah. Beatles. Yeah, that was the first time I saw Greg because I think the last time I saw Ringo, I've seen Ringo now six times. Yeah. There's a long gap. So I think the last time I saw Ringo, uh Sheila E was doing the drumming. Oh, so, that's the yeah, yeah. And yeah. I know way, way back, you know, Jim Keltner did the drumming, you know. Obviously, Ringo did drumming, too, if you've never seen him. But I know you have, but I mean, viewers out there. And if you haven't seen Ringo, he's 83 in a month. Go see him because he's worth it. Because he's only going to be doing it for 20 more years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You don't want to see him when he's over 100. You want to see him now when he's still got energy. and Exactly. And he's in his prime. Actually, what is amazing to me is not that he could sing the whole time, uh is at the end he still does the jumpy jacks and uh you know can yes. run off stage and run back on stage and you know all sorts of things you know it's like and play the drums he still plays the drums you know take that phil collins mm, you know anyway, yeah. i shouldn't do that i shouldn't badmouth phil collins what's phil, what's phil collins connection with the beatles uh he was in the uh the uh balcony oh, he- in a hard day's night Correct. And he, ho- and he hosted the documentary called "You Can't Do That." If you, you know, sure did, yeah. <laughs> later on, when he was famous, more, more street cred for being in a hard day's night, definitely. Yeah. Um, you didn't get him for the book, did you? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, and I didn't even. He's not one of the ones who rejected me because that could be a separate book. Yeah. Um, I didn't even no no I didn't reach out to him. The one that the one that um I like telling about is one person I reached out to who's probably the biggest name in Broadway, um, you know, Mr. Hamilton himself. Oh, yeah. I, I saw him at the 92nd Street Y talking about his history and his upbringing and everything else. It's just fascinating, amazing, brilliant individual. And Lin-Manuel Miranda talked about how he loved the Beatles growing up. And that shocked me. I'm like, really? Because you don't hear it in any of his stuff. <laughs> um, and so I had to write to him. And yeah. I, uh, when I knew he was appearing, I... I put a letter in an envelope and I presented it to when you're, when you're in one of those events, they take questions from the audience and then they pick which ones. So the people who were going around uh, taking the questions from the audience, I said, here, can you make sure he gets this? And I gave them an envelope and I don't know if he, they did now at the door, there was a bodyguard. So I gave him one. And then before Lin-Manuel left, I, I found his chauffeur, his limo. I gave him one. So I already got three, uh, hopefuls out to him and i didn't get a response and then so i dug a little further because when i get on a on a binge where i need to get somebody one way or another when i heard him talk beatles and so i sent it to his theater to an office and to his bookstore Mm. got a response and it was the nicest letter and he sent me an autograph and he apologized and he said 
here you go. I'm not up for doing the list, but thank you anyway. I'll take that. Hey, that's good. <laughs> to get to get his autograph and to get the acknowledgement, um, that was pretty cool. Now you've told the second story about this person on this podcast, because if you listen to the Sam Viviano episode, uh, who is a longtime uh, art editor at Mad Magazine, uh, he was a big fan of Hamilton and everything, you know, when it first started and everything like that, started seeing all the shows and everything. Yeah. Dick yeah. DiBartolo was a big fan and wow. he's been on the podcast here. Uh, they got him to show up at the Mad offices like a week before they closed the New York offices and moved to LA. Oh <laughs> and my God. Sam, Sam Viviano tells the story much better. So listen to that podcast episode, but you know, it's like, uh, he didn't co come in with a big entourage. He just came in with his schoolboy his, his uh, buddy that was also a huge mad fan, you know? And so, they uh -huh. just, so, you know, the cool thing about him is even if he didn't give you a list, he's, he's like one of us. He's just a fan of all this pop culture stuff we all like mad magazine well, i'm glad you mentioned um uh that magazine called mad because before i ever put out good day sunshine before i became a publisher and an author like you are and put out three books i have a long ways to go to reach you i was a published a letter writer letter in, hack yes in mad magazine i know the number but it's the towering inferno cover yeah, it's, i know i was gonna say i know the number because i've written the mad book so and you're listed in my mad book as um, a celebrity so it is mad 177 yes it's the towering inferno cover with alfred roasting a marshmallow in the building and uh yeah i, I was shocked because i was just kind of going through every issue and there's certain letters that you expect because oh you know it's like you know i think there's a letter from leonard nimoy when star trek was on well you know it's like yeah you know star trek's big and he's big and you know they write a letter but no and but the odd thing about going through the whole mad thing is i found rick moranis had a letter in issue 120 in 1968 wow. he wasn't in sctv he wasn't in any films he wasn't an actor he was just a kid and, he, and it wow. was signed ricky moranis uh and i forgot where it was toronto canada or something i said it's got to be him because how many people are named that and canadian you know and if it's not him you know so anyway i'm flipping through and yeah 177 comes along and i see charles f rosene <laughs> and it says blah blah connecticut i don't know where your city was at the time and i said that's got to be him too <laughs> you yes. know and so you know it's like you made it into the book you know there's only a couple times when i was going through the letters page where i kind of questioned it i mean i i know one time there's a letter from abe lincoln i know that was a fake but you know there's a couple times in early days of mad where it's like eh, i don't know mad was big enough yet you know but later on you know all bets were off. all bets were off you know if you, if, you know it's like they got a letter once from charles schultz which i talked about that yeah. he, uh, they started doing so many charlie brown and peanuts parodies that he sent in a letter with a snoopy drawing he says you know you guys are doing so well why don't you just take over the strip and so i can retire something to that effect you know and they published it because you know hey it's charles schultz so I don't, I don't remember the wording of mine, but I know that you had to have been a mad follower and a mad reader to get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it 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 um it parodied two things, um, like whoever heard of whatever, or and and then the folding of the back. I forgot what it was, yeah. but I'd forgotten it. Mark, I'd forgotten that I did that until <laughs> someone brought it to my attention years later. And I said, nah, you're sure? Yeah. <laughs> I really disputed them and they they got the issue and sent it to me and i'm like wow i was so pleased i thought i maybe i wrote to famous monsters of Filmland, or yeah. i didn't remember writing to mad so yeah. that was my first yeah first published piece was mad uh, magazine i never wrote too many letters i did write a couple to mad they never got published one time i, I don't know if you know, knew this about mad traditionally if like if you wrote a letter you probably wrote a letter based on what happened in issue 175 Yes. for publication they're always two issues off yes. and so i had written for one of the issues and i think it was around that same time 
and uh it was supposed to appear in 178 if my letter did appear and instead they didn't run a letters call on that issue they did this uh art instruction parody where they had the the regular mad artist uh draw a horse and they all drew it in their own inimitable styles and everything like that and then the joke was you know not not a, an ounce of talent in the whole bunch sign them up quick <laughs> And it's like, it was funny, but I said, damn it, my letter's not going to get published. That would have been the issue that you were in, and we would have been in, this is more more of our crossover. However, I did get, and I didn't even know I got this at the time, it was a few years later, uh, the competitor, Crazy Magazine for Marvel Comics. Yes. I'm in issue number 57 in 1979. So, oh, so and I do remember what I wrote because man put out paperback books, you know, the little pocket size. Yeah. And so I said, um, you know, uh, something to the effect of, you know, uh, could, uh, could you put out paperback books? And uh, the editor wrote his funny, wise guy answer, where do you want us to put them? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And I go, well, at least I got published. That's so it says Mark Arnold, Saratoga, California. So you'll see it if you ever look at that one. So, which is where you would have sent your good day sunshines if you remember the addresses. It probably was at Saratoga. Well, probably was in San Francisco too at the time. But anyway, that's way back when, years ago. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I know one of the books on the, the, uh, in in your future but uh other than that one which we can talk about in a minute um do you have any other books in the planning at this time it's really funny because i'm getting a you could talk about i know there's some yeah yeah (laughs) am i gonna do a book of top 10 monkey list i'm gonna do top 10 uh beach boys list i don't know it would be it would make sense to do like a series of these Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, am I going to go back to the well? Am I going to ask Gary Puckett and Ron Dante and Walter Egan? You know, they've been so good to me. Am I going to really annoy them with, <laughs> I, I don't know if the words annoy, but you know, to, to give me list after list after list. I, I think that um, if I, I don't know, I would love to do book of top 10 New York Mets list or something What you know, where people gave me their favorite moments of the amazing Mets through the years, whether it be how bad they were in 62 or, you know, the, the remembrances of 69. You know, when, I, when I do my library appearances, I say, you know, growing up, oh, three things. It was it was the Beatles, it was the Monsters, and it was baseball. I, that's That was everything until I discovered girls. That's the only thing that mattered is those three things. So if I did another book, maybe that would be the one. But, uh, you know, it's the ones that you and I are working on that I'm really excited about, one yeah. which may or may not never happen, and yeah. then and one that hopefully will be out this year. Yeah. And it's well, ready. that one we could talk about if you want to talk about it now. Um, I would like to save it for another show. Okay. But let's put out that. You can give the title at least. <laughs> We'd love you to give us the title. Okay, so we are working on a book. It's in the typesetting formatting stage and is called uh, Not Just Happy Together. Uh, the Story of the Turtles? How did we have that? <laughs> I know it's Not Just Happy Together is the first part. <laughs> I don't turtles, even know the title of our own book. Turtles from E to Z, AM radio to Zappa. That's right, uh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like Michael Ventrella, who I co-wrote. It's all these long-ass titles, and I was like, uh, it's the monkey's book, it's the turtle's book. Well, anyway, know, yeah. <laughs> officially, officially, the Beatles book is Celebrities, Actors, Athletes, Mods, and Rockers. The book of top 10 Beatles lists. But when you don't put the title first, it's a problem. And I did Monsters, Celebrities, Actors, Athletes, and Rock Stars, the book of top 10 horror lists, because it's cool to do that, you know, hyphen and give give the book a further title. And it works with the not so happy together. But it's going to be really exciting. If anyone is a music aficionado, loves the Turtles, loves the music of that era, they're going to get so much great information. Uh, it's not just, uh, uh, you know, there's history there. It's a discography. We did so many great interviews with so many people connected to the Turtles in all those years. Some and, of them uh, on this very podcast. Anyway. <laughs> one, of, 
And Mark, you know, I'm very proud because you went the Beatle fan route and I went the Good Day Sunshine route. And what do I mean by that? We both really wrote little commentary on just about every Turtle song. And it's not just the five hits. You know, there's a lot of songs out there. You would write what was informative and educational. And then I would write something silly. (laughs) (laughs) You? (laughs) No. And and if someone knows us, they are going to love this book. They're really going to love it, even if they're not Turtles fans, because there's so much of our personalities and our heart went into this book yeah. uh and i think i think it's going to really stand out for that reason but anyway so that yeah hopefully we'll see that before well, the end of anybody the year. I've ever brought it up to they they say one of two things yeah they either say oh i love the turtles you know and i go wow i didn't know there's that many turtles fans and they yeah. rattle off some of the songs and it's usually yeah. not just happy together it's other stuff and i go okay mm-hmm. you know your stuff and then mm-hmm. the question the follow-up question usually is are you gonna have zappa in there and I go, of course. And then they go, all right, I'm getting your book, you know. And it's like, oh, really? so those are like the two things. Everybody's a fan, and they love, they want Zappa in it. And it's like, yes, to both. So it's like, tremendous, tremendous. You know. I think I just sent you a picture I'd never seen before of uh, Flo and Eddie uh, with with Frank Zappa. I don't know if I forwarded that to you or not. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if we can use it, but <laughs> it's a little too oh, late. No, 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 we're not going to use it. Our book's done. There's no more yeah. using it. <laughs> I will say this, you know, without spoiling it. Uh, there are some very rare photos in the book. Yeah. I made sure, other than the, the requisite album covers and single picture sleeves that you have to put in these type of things, yes. uh, to get some rare images. And yep. we had to go special, you know, ways and special trades and special agreements and everything to get some of these photos so you know well some are from fans which are really cool and then some are from uh you know real i mean the biggest you can't get bigger than you know henry dilts who were you know honored to have the cover front and back from from the famous monkeys turtles rock and roll Doors, you name it. Yeah. Uh, and they're photos you have not seen. I guarantee correct. you have not these seen. Well, you've seen them, but yeah. I'm getting more excited just listening about them. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, we weren't supposed to talk about it. Anyway, no, we will talk about it again when it comes out later this year. We will do a a full official show. And yeah. we might even have like Michael Ventrella as a fan to talk about too, because he's a big Turtles fan. Uh, he had uh, Howard Kalen uh, do the forward to our monkeys book. So he has connection yeah. there. So, you know, it's like we can all jibber jabber about the turtles when it's time. <laughs> and you and I can do <coughs> and instead of one of us being the interviewee and the other one being the interviewer, we could both be the people who get interviewed. I'll have Michael interview us. Yeah, that'll work. You'll do yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, what else do we got to talk about? I mean, I, I could just ramble on, but I mean, it's a nice, short and sweet show. So, you know, uh, I would say how we wrap up every show, give another plug to all three of your books and how people can contact with you. And if you're doing a uh, public appearances in July or later, um, because June will probably be done by the time this comes up, uh, uh, and have the floor. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the first book I put out, which we've talked about in the past, was my first book, The Book of Top Ten Horror Lists, which begat this book. And um, it was also, you know, celebrities gave me their top ten favorite horror themes. Nine chapters were Beatles, which sort of placated my Beatle friends and fans till this book came out. And nine chapters were, you know, monkeys related in one way or another. So even the horror book was very music centric, was very big for, um, you know, people who love celebrity and pop culture. And that was released by Bear Manor Media. And I, I mentioned that. So then when this comes out, I can now show i can share this interview on all their pages <laughs> and most sound. of my books also come from bear manor media yeah. um, not all but most anyway most most and then um i'd gotten really very involved with the paranormal and i sneaked a book in between called true ghost stories of connecticut and um very well received and and it sold a ton of copies because it's not your typical um, these are the places in Connecticut uh, that are haunted and here's their history. Instead, individuals 
gave stories of what happened to them in connection with these places. Uh, two, three chapters are my own. Um, and that the, the, I'll tell you what the criteria was. Every story in the book had to have something to do with Connecticut. It's my home state. And it's one of the most haunted states in America. The other, the other barometer was it had to be true. I didn't want people to embellish it. I didn't want people to make up story. I didn't want them to add to it. Um, they gave me the stories. I edited them. I, I added uh, illustrations and I put those out. In fact, firsthand paranormal uh, accounts by the individuals who experienced these occurrences. That was uh, published by Kiwi Publishing. The first book, Book of Top Ten Horror Lists, is available from www.bookoftop10horrorlists.com. I'm sure you're going to run a scroll underneath. Uh, the second book, uh, True Ghost Stories of Connecticut, is available from www.paranormalconnecticut.com. And the book we're talking about and focusing on and probably of most interest to Beatles fans and your listeners and viewers is the book of top 10 Beatles lists. And who would believe, but the website is www.bookoftop10, the number 10, not T-E-N, bookoftop10beatleslists.com. Having said that, all three of those books are available on Amazon. So, uh, you know, if you have Amazon Prime, you can get the shipping for free and you can probably get those overnight to you and all that. What you can't get is my signature. And as you know, Mark, as being an author, people want our very valuable signatures. People love getting signed books. <laughs> so if you want to get those, you get them directly through us. If you want to get them uh, just quicker and faster and cheaper, you can get it through uh, a fab, fab, uh, I'm sorry, through uh, Amazon. Uh, I will be appearing on July 22nd at Fab Fest, which is Charlotte's Beatles, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina's Beatles Festival. I will be there this year as a special guest, thanks to Daniel Costin, uh, one of our friends. Um, and uh, doing a lot of a lot of non-Beatle conventions and a lot of uh, libraries, but that's the only one that where I'll be. That's a specifically a Beatles festival. The website is www.fabfestcharlotte.org. I'll be a special guest there. End of the month, I'm doing a show with Mickey Dolans and some other great guests, uh, Butch Patrick. Um, but I think this that'll have passed by the time this airs, and that's in Boxborough. Uh, Massachusetts. The, when's, the, the, when's that one anyway? The last weekend of June into July 2nd. Make um, this work? Well, I can put this on before that, but when when it is again, the dates? Yeah, J June 28th, 29th, 30th. To the, wait, wait, no, let's, let me look exactly. It's <laughs> N.E. Musicon. Yeah. Uh, it's in Boxborough, Massachusetts. It's put on by our friend Gary Summers. And it's... Uh, July 30, June 30th, 31st, and whatever July. It's 4th of July prior weekend. All right. <laughs> you look it up. I don't know the exact date, damn it. Uh, I'll be I, can, I'll, I will put this show, I can shuffle shows around. And okay. I've, done it for, I've done it for you in the past. So, you know, when something's important like Melanie or whatever, you know, I will shuffle a show around just so I can get that extra promotion. I appreciate the shuffle. So hope to see you at the any music con, which is all people who put on the any um and two letters, N-E, not any A N Y. N E uh collector shows, uh comic cons, all that good stuff. And it's gonna be Mickey Dolans, uh, Michael DeBar, uh, Butch Patrick, slew a really great guest. And then on the bottom of the list, me as an author. Uh, so we'll, we'll all be there. Also and then fabulous. Uh, guys, if you ever want to come with me to England, every August I do the Beatles tours. And we've been doing that every year since 83. So it's wow. our 40th anniversary. This year we're sold out. Uh, so you can come next year in 19... In, when is it next year? 1984? 2024. 2024, thank you. <laughs> I'm still living in the past. 1984. 1984. <laughs> Ooh, 1984 next year. <laughs> magical, it's called the Magical History Tour. It's magical Time Machine Tour. We're going back in time. The website is www.liverpooltours.com. Uh, and that's enough promoting because I think for having me on, Mark, and I think we're popped in that hour. I don't. I think we're really uh, right on the nose here. Yep. 
All right. Well, I thank you, Charles, for being my special guest. And, you know, I'll probably see you again in a few months when we're promoting the Turtles book. Or if you have another musical guest you want to send my way, you know, I'll certainly uh, entertain them and interview them. And I want to thank you for being my guest today. And that wraps it up for another Fun Ideas podcast. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Charles F. Rosenay, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 219 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. (laughs) 